Hello, everyone. This is Chalk Talk Sports Podcast, powered by Prime U. Today's host is Jeremiah Waite. Jeremiah is a football scouting student assistant with West Virginia University of the Big 12 Conference. Jeremiah is going to talk about, you know, his journey to get to where he is and how what he's been doing all summer preparing for this job. So let's go ahead and kick this interview off. Hi, this is Daryl Duvall. Welcome to Chalk Talk. I'm your host. Inviting you to see us weekly on this channel. Um, today's today's uh, guest is Jeremiah. Am I saying that right, Jeremiah? Yeah, Jeremiah Waite. Just like you're waiting in line. Yes, sir. Jeremiah is a graduate student assistant at West Virginia University, Big 12. And uh, he is uh, a uh, football uh, scouting assistant, student's assistant, first year. Um, He's very excited at new position, being in, uh, so going from Wisconsin to to West Virginia. It's a new area over there, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Never been out east, really, either. So it's going to be a whole new world for me. Oh, it is. It's probably going to be. I don't know if West Virginia gets hot or not. Have you been out there before yet? Have you been out there yet? Nah, never. <laughs> you never, huh? No, nope, never been out there. So, man, I, I want to kind of go back uh, from your time when you started uh, looking at, you know, what made you decide to get into sports, man? What made me decide to get into sports? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty playing. easy question. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, ever since I was little, I fell in love with sports. I mean, Obviously, my love being football, but I mean, I was the kid. I went to a small school, so I ended up, I played football, basketball, baseball. I ran track. I did powerlifting. So, I mean, I did five sports in high school. So, I mean, I think it's a kudos just to, you know, being from a small school and having that opportunity. I mean, a lot of kids probably can't say that they were able to play more than one sport. So, that was pretty cool, but... I mean, from an early age, football became my love. I just, I mean, from the beginning, just being able to tackle people and not get in trouble for it, I thought that was pretty cool. But then, you know, the speed of the game and just everything that goes with the game of football, I mean, the values and lessons it can teach you, I mean, it it goes a long way, no doubt. And what was your position? What position did you So, growing up, I was always a running back and a cornerback. And then in college, I started as a running back. And then I got switched to a cornerback my sophomore year. Now, I'm going to throw this up because I'm probably going to be coming back to this later. Sure. This is kind of an interesting question. Uh, because of – as a running back right now. Right. What is your uh, – I mean, as being a graduate student assistant and you, you know, eventually your uh, goal is to be a coach probably, is um, what is your thoughts on being a running back right now in the area we're in? What do you mean by that question? Like, Well, I mean, do you think some people are saying you really need to just try to concentrate on a lot of different multiple positions and not really concentrate on the running back per se? Because, I mean, running backs are there, you can say dime a dozen, but it's also, I mean, it's rough on your body. Let's put it like that. You know? Sure. Okay. So are you basically just asking me like, what is, like, how is the running back position and like kind of the stature of it and where it's at or where it's going kind of? I think where it's going, where it's going. Sure. Well, I mean, I think 
we can both look, I mean, if we want to use the NFL as an example, I mean, how many NFL teams have just one starting running back that's like their, you know, that's their bowl in a china shop. Like, that's their guy, and they don't really use another running back. I mean, off the top of my head, I can only really think Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott, right? Right. And maybe you could say – and, I mean, I don't – off the top of my head, a really good running back that's – I mean, you could say McCaffrey maybe even, but I think what you're seeing in the NFL and now college football a lot more is that your running backs, you have to be able to catch the football out of the backfield and they have to be able to trust you in pass protection. So, you know, even we could say with the McCaffrey boat, I mean, look at how he's revolutionized, you know, kind of that running back position, him and Kamara – and how they've, you know, been able to be basically the leading receiver on their teams and get the receptions that they're getting, but then also getting the carries that they're getting as well and the plays that they're making. So I'd say just kind of with the game becoming more widespread and not as much north and south, I'd say that with running backs, you got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. But I also think teams are now almost in a way – trying to get back to that power mouth football. I mean, you saw it with the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. I mean, Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Now, obviously, it's not like they're going out of, you know, under center. But what they're, you know, trying to do with that power running style with, you know, him and Ingram and then, you know, Tennessee, obviously it's a little different as to how they're trying to do it. But the premise of it is the same thing. It's power football, smash mouth football, north and south using motion, you know, to figure out what the defense is in and getting, you know, the correct angle with your block to get upfield and, you know, create holes. I mean, San Francisco, I mean, really last year, the playoff teams, most of them were probably better running teams than they were throwing the ball. And I think you may be seeing a shift in that by teams because you can be more versatile running the football probably than you've ever been able to be in the last 10 to 15 years, just with motion, the players that you're using at that, you know, hybrid tight end fullback position, like it definitely strains the defense more than you'd think, you know, you think teams that just run the ball, oh, it's easy, you know, we got to just, you know, have a hat on a hat. Well, no, not if teams are using motion to get their players, you know, maybe on a smaller linebacker or a safety. So it's all personnel based. And I think you're seeing that as well. And so as a, recruiter and in some of the the, uh, the places that you've done recruiting from what areas is running back one of the areas that you want more are uh, really the offense been where you've been more concentrated on or is it just pretty much overall I mean it's for me so I guess my scouting experience so I was able to have scouting opportunity with instant scouting they're a company based out of Toronto Canada and their owner, the founder, CEO of the company, his name is Richard Alamagba. He was a former Canadian Football League player. So for him, you know, kind of just did whatever positions, you know, he wanted me to or guys that he was like, hey, would you take a look at him and let me know what you think? So obviously playing running back, you know, growing up and even in college, I'd say I'm, that's probably one of my positions I'm more comfortable in evaluating. I mean, I can scout offensive linemen, I can scout defensive linemen, I can scout quarterbacks, but if I never played those positions, it definitely takes more time for me when I'm trying to evaluate these positions. So 
that I still come across as someone that knows what I'm talking about. I mean, that's probably with any scout. Like, obviously, the more you've done it, it maybe seems as if you played that position, right. even if you didn't. But if you start off, I mean, you got to do your due diligence, and you have to work on your craft. You have to watch videos. You have to watch other scouts and how they do it and what they look for and then add it to what you do because you know if you've never played that position before how are you going to learn how to do it and evaluate it if you never did it unless you look at what other people do what other people say and then watch it yourself and then try to see what those people see as well as maybe your own flavor to it so so I'm gonna go back to that that question of you being a running back and you and and being a graduate assistant, yeah, West Virginia. What type of what skills do you look for in a running back? And that and you can kind of go back to the experience that you had, sure. Overall, but I mean, if you're recruiting right now and you're looking at uh, 2021 or 2022, what are you looking for? Yeah. So if if I was a recruiter looking for guys for my college team, the first guys that would you know stand out to me is you know. You obviously like speed, but for me, I look for explosion, like explosion, you know, through the hole, they're explosive and that burst, right? I mean, obviously if you have long speed, that's great. But you know, for me, I like guys who can burst through the hole. I also think at the running back position, you have so many guys that want to get to the hole and through the hole so fast that they end up actually missing the hole or running into the backs of their offensive linemen. So I think patience, Envision is something that you can't teach. You either have it or you don't. And the guys who have it and don't have to work at it are a step ahead of the game and a step ahead of, you know, other running backs at their position because they see it, they get it. But I think a lot of that has to do with how much time do these players take into, you know, studying how the offensive linemen are blocking and, you know, being in the film room, you know, maybe with the offensive linemen, the offensive line coach and just seeing how they're planning the attack for that week and how they're, you know, planning on trying to get to the second level defenders and the angles that they're taking, because then a running back, you know, can take that into consideration when he has the ball in his hand. So maybe he won't, doesn't see the hole, but he can feel it because he knows that's where the offensive lineman's supposed to be. And then two kind of to go off of what I was saying before, I mean, if a guy can catch the ball out of the backfield and can run smooth, efficient routes and not waste steps, in and out of his cuts, I mean, that's great, especially with, you know, teams throwing the ball more, especially in college with how spread out the college football game is. I mean, you only really have a couple of teams that really work out of, you know, eye formation, pound your mouth football north and south. I mean, Kansas State does it. The Wisconsin Badgers do it. I mean, I've watched Wisconsin Badgers my whole life. They haven't changed a whole lot in how they do it. But even with these other teams, it might not seem like they're doing power football, like, Wisconsin or Kansas State because they're out of shotgun but in reality they still are I mean Texas has a power running football attack even though it's more RPO based which you see with a lot of football teams but you know if you have that ability to play all three downs because you're a receiving threat I think that's that's just another way to separate yourself and so how do you feel about working in the Big 12 starting off in the Big 12 yeah I'm excited I mean obviously you know, growing up, my experience has just been watching, you know, mostly Big Ten football with the Wisconsin Badgers. But, I mean, 
as a college football fan in general, I mean, you have to take into consideration what the Big 12 has and will be and continue to be. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma and what they've been able to do at the quarterback position the last, you know, three years specifically and under Lincoln Riley and, you know, making it to the college football playoffs. I mean, Texas has been Texas. I mean, you could say the last couple of years maybe haven't gone the way that they would have liked, especially last year, you know, after the year before they, you know, made it to the, I believe, I don't even, what they beat Georgia in the bowl game. Then last year they beat Utah in the Alamo Bowl. Right, right. But, Alamo bowl. Right, but, you know, Texas, you know, Vince Young and, you know, the quality of football in the state of Texas, I mean, it's probably one of the best states in the United States for football. And then, you know, even too with Baylor and how they came out of nowhere last year and, you know, surprised everyone. And now, you know, Matt rules at Carolina with the Panthers. And now their new head coach is Dave Aranda, who was the former defensive coordinator for the Badgers, who then went to LSU for the same position is now a head coach. So, you know, I, the Big 12, right? We think Big 12, we think there's no defense. It's all passing. Well, <laughs> you'd be mistaken because there's a lot of running of the football and there are a lot of really quality athletes in the big 12, no doubt. Right. So let's talk about your student athlete experience. And then I'm going to kind of go back to the, uh, what you're doing now. Um, so what was it? What was, what is, what, what do you think you got out of it? How do you think it made you be where you are right now? And I kind of go back to, you know, what's going on with the name image and likeness. That's where I'm going to kind of start in here in this conversation with and yeah. um you know do you feel that they prepared you to get to where you are right now i mean being a student athlete no doubt i mean with all the sports that i played right the camaraderie the cohesiveness you know being able to work together for a common goal i mean what in life can really prepare you for something like that other than sports i mean i'm sure other people could bring you know, different examples and how it did that for themselves. But, you know, having to deal with adversity and fighting through it, as well as, you know, just being there for each other and your teammates. Because, you know, really, I mean, obviously you could say track is maybe a little more individualized, but with all sports, you know, it's not just working for yourself. I mean, you may have your own goals and, you know, motivations as to what you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, it's a team goal that, you know, if you want to achieve that team goal and you want to achieve your goals, you know, you probably want to achieve those team goals because if you do that, you're going to probably achieve some of your individual goals as well. And I mean, just, you know, I can't say enough, just what it teaches you and, you know, how to fight through adversity and, you know, working together. I know for me, I've dealt with a lot of adversity in my life, whether it was injuries or, you know, maybe having difficulty in school, but, you know, just the lessons that I was able to take away from football, you know, you know, how to get through that. I mean, it definitely helped me, no doubt. And so when you uh, hurt yourself, what was it, second year? Is that right? So I tore my ACL my sophomore year and junior year of college football. Okay, so you still was, you were you still part of the team your senior year? Yep, yep. So my senior year, I decided to you know, take a step back and not be a player, but be a student assistant coach, you know, because just the brothership and the love that you have for the guys that, you know, you play with, I couldn't step away from it. You know, I had invested so much into the game. I just was like, well, if I can't play, I'm going to be doing something with this team. <laughs> so, and, 
And do you feel that? Can't get rid of me that fast. Right. You think that that uh that that made a big difference on you your life is just oh no doubt no. plan you still stayed in there because some people tend to um oh, and just, just they just give up and they just probably absolutely they probably just drop out of school I mean that's probably what you've seen so oh no doubt I mean is it difficult absolutely I mean you're doing something your whole life and then you're not able to do it and play at the level that you're accustomed to and you know, it's, it's a tough decision. It's not for everyone. You know, coaching is still very difficult, especially when you're taking a full class schedule of, you know, 12, 14 credits and then jumbling that with, you know, your coaching duties and, you know, trying to get the most out of that as you can. I mean, it's like, it's not for everyone. And you have to put the same effort, the same dedication and, you know, the same time commitment to something like that as you would a player. You know, it might not be the same stuff that you're doing, but it's just as important and just as beneficial to the team. Because if you're not doing it to the best of your ability and you're not putting the time and effort that's needed to be successful, you won't be. So that's really all on you and, you know, what you put into it and what you're trying to get from it. Now, so as a graduate assistant, what is your responsibilities and duties in your new position? Yeah, so at West Virginia, my responsibilities and duties. So I'm still obviously not there. I mean, that would obviously be great if I could get down there. So, you know, a lot of what I'll be doing is first and foremost, whatever they tell me to do. I mean, I think for, you know, the people that, you know, listen and watch the show, the biggest thing that they should know and understand, I mean, even me as a 23-year-old is that, Whenever someone above you, you know, tells you to do something, be a team player. You know, don't take it personally, maybe, if it's something that you may not want to do or may not be, a, a, you know, a part of the job description. But at the end of the day, doing little stuff like that and just, you know, shaking your head and, you know, having a great attitude goes a long way because you never know that person that you maybe didn't want to do that something for. They may get a job somewhere else. And they may remember you as being that positive, outgoing, bright young man or woman who, you know, always brought a great attitude and a, you know, great personality. And they're like, yeah, you know, even though you always had to do that one thing, you never once said no, you always did it on time. You always were someone I could rely on and you could get a job out of it. So, yeah, I didn't mean to get sidetracked there. No, 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 no problem. That, no doubt that whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do it. So... But uh, a lot of my duties will pertain to, you know, obviously scouting. So, you know, evaluating players, you know, whoever I'm, you know, tasked with doing and whatnot. And then, you know, obviously probably watching a lot of film, you know, on West Virginia and other teams and, you know, just doing whatever he tells me to do. So, I mean, just because I'm not there, I'm not for sure exactly everything that I'll be doing, but it will consist of a lot of that, no doubt. So are you going to be, did you have to, as a graduate assistant, do you still have to be certified by the NCAA? So technically, I'm not a graduate assistant yet. So I'm a student assistant. So it's literally, it's the same thing, except I don't get paid for my work. I'm doing this because I love football Um, and I am, you know, looking for an opportunity to try and get my foot in the door. So you know, even though I'm not getting paid and even though I'll probably, you know, most, you know, student assistants and even grad assistants, they're required to work 20 hours. But if you want to make a name for yourself and you want to make the most out of your opportunity, 
you know, let's be realistic. You want to be in there as much as you can. So that's, you, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours. You're going to probably put towards it. Right. If you, you know, if you want to make a name for yourself and that's, you know, I'm thankful for, you know, West Virginia giving me this opportunity. And I know myself personally, I'm not going to let it go to waste. So I'm going to try to be in there and do as much as I can to, you know, make an image and make a name for myself. So how many, how many students, this is, I know they have two graduates. They have two graduates and two students. Is that right? So for student assistance with the department that I'm in with the scouting, there are three of us uh, with the scouting part of it. So grad assistants, I actually, there might be more than just two, but okay. I think a lot of the grad assistants maybe are more so with the coaching side of it. Like maybe helping out with receivers or tight ends, or maybe being like a defensive analyst or offensive analyst grad assistant i'm not for sure on that so don't quote me on that but you know really with west virginia and probably every single fbs school the whole grad assistant program right now probably really isn't what it's been just because you know with the funds with covid and you know a lot of coaches having to take less money and whatnot i mean the schools most likely obviously don't probably have the funds to have that many grad assistants as maybe they did the year before or years prior, which, I mean, that's just the name of the game and where we're at in the world right now with the, you know, COVID and whatnot. I mean, let's be honest, a graduate assistant probably makes what, $25,000, $30,000? So basically grad assistant. So if I was a grad assistant right now, it would pay for my schooling. Right. That's basically it. Yep. So that's what it is. Yep. Yes. Yes. And so, I mean, and and so I guess your next, from what you're doing now, you would probably go to grad assistant or just go straight into coaching? So for me, just for my one year of being a student assistant coach, I know for one thing, I don't want to be a coach. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not for me. You know, it's, it's football, right? So you're like, oh, it's got to be great. But the coaching to me, it's more X's and O's. It's more right. – getting guys in the right places and that's a lot of film and watching your opponents as well as your guys and you know trying to figure out what you do well and how to scheme for that I'm more the guy that I love watching the film but I love watching players individually and figuring out what they do and don't do well and then being able to convey that message to a head coach an assistant coach and be like hey you know Billy Bob here sucks in space but he has good hands. So then that's not on me to figure out how to scheme that guy to get open. That's on the coaches figuring out, well, this guy is the sure-handed guy and someone we can rely on. We got to find a way to get the ball in his hands because we know on third, fourth down situations, he's a guy we can rely on to catch the football. So I'm not telling them how to do that. I'm just telling them, hey, this guy has good hands. He might be a guy you want to try to get the ball to on third and fourth downs because he never drops the ball. You know, stuff like that. So will you be so right down pretty much you'd be responsible for everything from I mean, you're just gonna be in any any type of whatever they need, pretty much. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Whoever and whatever they need me to do, I'm doing it. And you know, I'll obviously, you know, learn through people there, you know, what to do, how to do it, you know, what to look for and et cetera. But yeah, definitely whatever they need me to do, I'm doing it. So will they be they will they be using your skills of scouting a lot too? Is that yeah, absolutely. Yep. I mean, 
the skills that I've learned in scouting have all been self-taught. You know, no one's taught me how to do anything. So, you know, really for people that are, you know, listening or watching this with whatever you're trying to do, if you don't really have experience doing it, my advice first and foremost is to try and reach out to people that do have that experience and be a sponge. And, you know, someone with Julian Duncan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I had an internship with them prior to graduating with my undergraduate degree, now going to grad school. But he'd said something really good to me. So he's the chief marketing officer of Jacksonville. He was the first ever black man to, you know, be a CMO officer of an NFL team. So like this guy, like he's someone that, you know, people can look up to because like he was the first to do it. And he told me like, even though like I was the first to be this for an NFL team, one thing I do is I shut up and listen. And, you know, that really hit me because even him being where he's at now and he still has that mentality of listening to other people and their stories, not being so caught up in trying to get his story out. Right. I think is really beneficial because you never know what you're going to be able to take from people. I mean, everyone has a story and, you know, if you can take one or two things away from that story to maybe, you know, add to your own or open your eyes about maybe something that you've done or haven't done, I think that's really beneficial because, you know, everyone doesn't have stuff given to them. I mean, most people, you know, don't have a relative that's in the NFL or, you know, with a big division one football team. So it's really, it's on you trying to reach out to people and put your foot in the door so that they're able to put a face with the name because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people say it's who, you know, but one thing I've learned really fast is that's nice. But if they don't know you, what difference does it make? I might know, you know, we can say Billy Bob again, but I might know Billy Bob. He might be, you know, the director of scouting for the green Bay Packers. Well, that's great. I know Billy Bob, but if Billy Bob doesn't know Jeremiah Waite, what difference does that make? What is Billy Bob going to do for me? Is Billy Bob going to put his neck out of the way to help me? Not if he doesn't know me. So then that's on you trying to find ways to build your brand and build your image so that people do start to take notice of you. Like, Oh yeah, I've heard that Jeremiah Waite name, you know, coming around. I, you know, I'm going to check him out and see what he does, but that's with anything. If you want to, you know, get your foot in the door. So, I mean, I think LinkedIn's a great resource for that. If you don't have any connections is, you know, creating a profile on LinkedIn and, you know, basically putting on your experience, what you have, what you've done in your bio, letting people know what you've done, what you would like to do, how you would like to get there. And then just starting to reach out to people and telling them a little bit about yourself and why you're reaching out to them. And if they could take five or 10 minutes to talk with you, great. If not, understand that but then continue working and trying to connect with people because that's how I started out so so you think do you think that if you had these skills knowledge social media was doing it during the time that you were like it is now when you were going through school you think it'd be a better uh I mean some of your it'll be do you think the knowledge and I'm not just saying per, per se you but do you think you wish you would have these same things that we have today going up and at school right now? Just like when I was younger and stuff? Yeah, saying? from the social media, from the knowing, you know, like that 
knowing the experience that you have now, sure. That when you got out of high school from the social media, building your brand, and then yeah. going through college, and these are the things, career development, and all those. I mean, for me and my story, I think I probably hit it as best as you can because when I got out of high school, right, my priority was college football. And, you know, getting my degree was important. But when I first got to college, like, my biggest priority was, you know, playing football. So when, you know, obviously being a collegiate athlete, your summers, you don't really have the opportunities to do an internship because you're training, you're lifting. And when you're a Division three athlete and you don't get a scholarship, but you still got to pay for your school and your rent. I also worked 40 hours a week. So not only am I lifting and working out every day and training, I'm also working 40 hours a week. And then if you want to try to do an internship or something, like where's the time for that? So my first couple of years of college, I didn't really, I guess, brand myself because I mean, I guess to be honest, I didn't really have the time. So, I mean, I still, you know, went to different, seminars and stuff through the sport management program at the University of Wisconsin lacrosse where I received my undergraduate education but in terms of branding myself and reaching out to people online I didn't honestly do that until a year ago today or around this time frame because you know being not a player anymore and being just a coach I knew well I knew what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get into, then it was just a matter of, well, how do I do that, right? Like, no one was telling me, oh, hey, Jeremiah, you know, here's how to do that and how to get your foot in the door. I didn't have guidance. <laughs> it was just me being like, well, I don't have LinkedIn, but I know that's, you know, a business professional website that's supposedly like Facebook in the way that it operates. So I was like, well, you know, might as well try and get a LinkedIn and, you know, see how that works. And then, you know, trying to find people that are in positions that I'd like to be someday. And like I said before, reaching out to them and being like, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'd like to do. Do you have any advice or tips for someone like myself trying to gain experience? I lucked out and was fortunate with instant scouting under Richard Alamogba. And then through him, being able to connect and talk with different football players and, you know, agents and you know scouts and then having the opportunity through my coaching experience with lacrosse and those coaches and who they know and then just you know obviously my internship with the jacksonville jaguars have you know really given me a great opportunity so what is, what is your thoughts on the name image and likeness athletes making money of their brand ah that's a wonderful question so i think it's I think it's great for these kids who, you know, a lot of these kids, right, if you look at their story, they most likely didn't grow up with a lot. They had to fight for everything. And then you get to college. And if you have an opportunity to make money off your name, likeness, and image because you're a really good football player, that's great. That's amazing. And, you know, having money in your pocket, you know, to help, you know, maybe with some bills or, you know, with food and whatnot, that's great. I just, it's going to be really interesting to see how that works with all these other sports other than football and basketball, because the money that these other sports get aren't nearly 
you know, like what you get in football and basketball, if your TV revenue deals and et cetera, and even too with the players that don't play as much, you know, how's it work? How's it going to work for them? Like, are they going to get money as well by being on the team? Or do you just have to be a player that is like the star of your team? So I think that's going to be an interesting dilemma on how, you know, they decide how that works. So, you know, I think it's great for the guys who, you know, are the stars of the team and, you know, I guess bring the money into your universities. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. So one of the questions I had was, and get, just getting your thoughts is, let's just say you have a player who, let's just say Nike gives him some money and Nike says, oh, I need you to film this commercial. But sure. Commercially, right around the same time they practice. How do you deal with that? Well, I think <laughs> if you're a student athlete who is under scholarship, I think your first priority is probably to the football team in practice. I mean, if you're on a scholarship, that's you signing a contract. Essentially, that's what a scholarship is, saying that you're going to play for the school, receive this amount of money, but then you also have to adhere to the rules and guidelines and whatever else may come along with what that program's asking of you. You know, maybe depending upon the school and the coaches, maybe, you know, you'll be able to work something out with that, you know, head coach or assistant coach and et cetera. But considering that this has never happened before, I have no idea how that's going to look. But I would have to assume that if it comes between practice and doing a photo shoot for Nike, it'd probably be great if you could do it for Nike and gain some money. But I'd be hard-pressed to believe that you're going to be able just to skip out of practice for something like that, being a college athlete. And so those are the questions that NCAA, West Virginia, Big 12, or whoever, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC got to deal with when Absolutely. players have to, when that situation comes up. And you, like you said, man, I mean, I'm asking you as a student athlete because you've been through that situation and you on both sides, you know, and yeah. you've been a student athlete. Now you transition into scouting, coaching, and you're going to probably have situations. It's probably West Virginia because it comes out in 2021 on how this whole situation is going to work out. A lot of schools now are trying to come up with career development or professional development of schools Yeah, uh, for student athletes. And um, it's going to be, you know, the bottom line is going to be very interesting. Um, I got a couple more questions. I, in regards to recruiting, um, you know, when you when you were in the past, when you've done some recruiting, and now you transition to West Virginia University, sure. How effective or how uh, pertinent is the social media to your recruiting needs? Oh, it's huge, no doubt. I mean. If you want to take just my experiences helping out with recruiting at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, I mean, first and foremost, if you're any recruit trying to get recruited by a college football team, I mean, I can even relate to this. I mean, Twitter's not that old. I mean, Twitter was pretty pertinent back in, you know, 2015 when I was getting recruited still. But if you have stuff on your Twitter profile that in any way, shape, or form could you know, hurt you and your image, delete it, get rid of it. I mean, I think you and I both see more now than ever. Right. Maybe even if you say something that had no correlation to that topic whatsoever, 
but people read that and come up with this idea that's what you meant by it if you get enough of a following of people that believe that it's really hard to try and change people's opinions you know it's what's great about america but gosh darn it is also what you know it's tough you know and it's great and all but you know that's where if you can't have a conversation and actually say what you're trying to say and allow people to have the opportunity to interpret what is being read or said, then, you know, that's something that if you have something that's borderline that could be interpreted, you know, differently or not the way that you'd like, I would, you know, highly recommend to get rid of it. And I think that comes with anything, whether that's applying for a job or whatever you do, because at the end of the day, that message was done by you so it's going to be tied with you, whether what it pertains to was what you meant or not. And then too, you know, obviously with, you know, the, all the videos and stuff you can get on social media. I mean, that's great and all. I mean, you have all these kids and stuff with their huddles, having it on their, you know, time feeds and whatnot. So it makes it a lot easier when you're recruiting, you know, just to go on Twitter, click on their profile and, you know, probably under their pinned tweet it's their junior season highlights or their senior season highlights. So it's definitely a lot simpler process than probably what it used to be, you know, even during my times where you'd probably have to ask the coach for, you know, film on the team. And then you'd have to, you know, sort through the film and find guys that you like. And then you basically start looking at their social media profile. Yep. So yep. what advice, what advice, this is the last question. What advice do you have for students? athletes and who hey they might want to go to west virginia are basically in the COVID 19 area they're dealing with all this social justice yeah. some of the schools are not even i mean some of these kids might not even play this year no doubt and so i mean my from you as a recruiter uh i mean student recruiter and and your past recruiting what advice do you have for athletes who are going through this uh, situation and what they need to do to, uh, you know, if they're in the junior year or if yeah. this is the senior year, and, you know, some of them are saying, if you get an offer, you better take it right now. You better take it. Because, I mean, you know, unfortunately, yeah. you're looking at take all right now. And, and, uh, and so you're not really looking at anybody. That's all you're doing is looking at take. So... No, definitely. I mean, first and foremost, I'd like to say, you know, for any seniors that either, you know, already have had their seasons taken away because of COVID and pushed back or, you know, for the seniors that may still have their seasons taken away, like I deeply apologize. I mean, for me, my senior year of high school football was one of the best years of my life. You know, you're playing with the guys that you may have grown up with your whole life. I mean, there's nothing like high school football. And that's coming from someone that has played college football and been at a really cool division three university there's just nothing like it when you have everyone from the town coming out to your games on friday night because that's what people do on friday night so for those kids i mean i can't say enough how sorry i am that you're not able to have a season and you know maybe if you're on that edge of you know trying to prove yourself to have the opportunity to have you know eight to ten games of film on yourself now it may seem like it's the end of the world and there's nothing for you, 
However, you know, for me, I think the first thing that these kids should look into is are there any opportunities nearby or in a state or two away that have any combines for me? So I know from my past work experiences with the National Scouting Combine, they had a kicker's punter's camp this past weekend in Northern Virginia. And now this coming week, they're having a football combine for any kids who are a freshman to a senior in high school. So Virginia just had high school football, you know, canceled for the fall season. Right. So if I'm a kid in Virginia and I'm trying to get, you know, numbers on myself and, you know, my face and image out there and video on me, why would you not be going to combines and camps that are available if they're nearby you? I mean, I'm just using Virginia as an example just because I know that their season got canceled for high school football in the fall and because I know that this combine is happening and going on. But, I mean, if you're a kid, like, why wouldn't you be at this camp if you either, A, haven't been recruited? Because if you haven't been recruited and you aren't going to have a season this year, well, how do you have tape on yourself? Well, you don't. So then what's the second best thing? We'll have verified numbers. If you're a kid that didn't have a season, but you run a 4.5, 240-yard dash laser time, and you're a receiver, and then you have video of yourself catching the ball, I mean, you might have, you know, someone that's watching, you know, the combine off whatever link that they have for it and be like, well, this kid just ran a 4.52, watching video of him run routes, you know, he seems to, you know, get in and out of his breaks decently and seems to have, you know, a good, you know, feel of where to, you know, break his routes, that might get you something just right there, just based off of your numbers. So do stuff for you that can help you with stuff that's available for you. So if there's combines or something, great. You know, second thing I'd say is if you really want football, you know, college football in your life, and you think you have that, you know, capability and or teams have talked with you, then you have to continue to enhance your abilities by, you know, trying to get really good training. So maybe at your high school, if you have a really good strength coach, that's great. But if you're a small school kid who go to, you know, a high school that doesn't really have a strength coach, you might have to invest in yourself, meaning you might have to go and get some personalized one-on-one training or group training that is specific to football or else how are you going to improve your abilities if you're not training for it? And then, you know, lastly, obviously stay positive. I mean, easier said than done. I mean, I can relate. I, you know, after my internship, I didn't have a lot going for me either until I, you know, thought about grad school and reached out to all the schools that I did. But you know, even though it may seem like there's nothing going for you, you know, continue to keep your foot on the gas pedal and, you know, continue to try to stay relevant. I mean, that's a lot of people that I've talked to. That's what I say. Try to stay relevant. That's what I've tried to do is stay relevant. And that's, you know, whether that's through LinkedIn and, you know, if people reach out to me talking with them, or I mean, even with you, you know, agreeing to go on the show and I guess share my story to, you know, maybe individuals that are around my age, because I'm 23, or maybe a couple years younger, I was literally just in your shoe, or currently in the shoe of people 
that are, you know, listening or watching this. And it sucks that a lot of us graduates don't have opportunities, you know, in the job force because places aren't hiring. But you can still continue to try and be the best version of yourself and, you know, continue trying to reach out to people because when this does blow over, hopefully sooner rather than later, you know, these places and businesses are, you know, most likely going to have a list of people that they'd like to hire or the ranking of the people on the list for, you know, a potential, you know, three to five positions. And if, you know, you stayed relevant and kept reaching out to these companies, even though they maybe didn't get back to you right away, like you never know. It, it only takes one call to, you know, change everything. Yep. So, man, hey, uh, uh, Jamai, thank you for taking the time to come on uh, Chalk Talk. Absolutely. Kind of talking to, about your story. I mean, you have a real good story. Um, you know, congratulations on getting that uh, going to uh, Big 12 and West Virginia. Um, you know, I, uh, again, you know, you now you have an opportunity to see a lot of kids because you got some time on your hand now, man. You can do a lot of work. I mean, absolutely. That's all I do. Yeah. That's all I do is watch film every day. Watch film every day because, I mean, you know, at the end of the month, you know, Last Chance You. Do you watch Last Chance You? I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen every season of Last Chance You, no doubt. It, it comes on at the end of the month, man. Ooh. Yeah. So I got to try and not get hooked up on that. I took that back. It might come on this weekend. Really? Yeah, I think it does come on this weekend. But it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's just like I said, with the kids and everything, man, it's right now in the summertime, you know, I mean, they pretty much were working out, just like you said, working out, maybe working a part. They can't even really work a part-time job. I mean, it's hard. It's and, it's really hard. Yeah, and so and it's hard to work out too, you know. Absolutely. Unless you're working out in your backyard and everything, but uh, and and you know, so the bottom line is these kids just got to be stay positive, and yep. and and you stay positive. You took a, a opportunity, and you know, to go to to enhance your, your uh, recruiting experience and, and um, especially the Big 12 school and a school that's going to be hopefully, you know, I mean, the bottom line is the Big 12 school, you know, even though you came from a smaller school, but you're going to learn a lot. Absolutely. A lot, you know. Absolutely. But anyway, man, thank, thank you for taking the time to come on, man. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Thanks, Daryl. Go thank Mountaineers. You. All right. Go Mountaineers. Hey, I just want to say thank you for listening to us today. I also want to do a shout out to our special guest, Jeremiah Waite. Look forward to seeing what's going to happen in Big 12 this year with West Virginia University and the rest of the Big 12 teams. We look forward to seeing you next week. Also, you can listen to us on Podbean, Apple, Android, Spotify, PoweringU.com. Also, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Take care.